Thanks for joining us on this Thursday morning, December 3rd. Things are happening in the sports world, and that is great. And no better guy to comment on what's happening in the sports world than Craig Bullerjack. He, a Utah broadcasting legend. Good morning, Mr. Bullerjack. Uh, BK, kind words, my friend. Uh, I understand DJ's off. It's you're the king of the chair, my friend. And you know what? We could do top 20 requests all the next 20 minutes if you wanted. Probably. You know? I mean, because you own it. You own it. It is you my world. It. It's your world, man. I feel like I feel like Coastal Carolina. My time has finally come. Yes, yes. Your time has come. Dick was reminding me, man, three years as an FBS team. Yeah. And ranked. Uh, and uh, undefeated, uh, I mean, a mirror image of what BYU's accomplished this year. Yeah, it's funny, you know, because they're both 9-0, and zero, uh, scheduled called into, into question. Both played Texas State. Uh, Coastal Carolina played them last week, literally the last game. Obviously, BYU was earlier in the season. And you look at the uh, common uh, opponent, Texas State, both of these guys hammered them big time. Texas State last week beat them uh, 49-14. to And how about this? This is pretty freaky. BYU, 52-14. to Three points off. Yeah, yeah, the 52-14. And I'm just looking because everyone I've been, I've done a couple radio shows around the country, and it's funny because I, I keep this handy because I print this out, but – you know, Zach was uh, – I'm looking at his numbers that day. I mean, he was maybe his third lowest output. No, I think it was his third – yeah, fourth. I mean, still he threw for 287, right? Yeah. Uh, I mean, the guy has – you know, Zach's played incredibly well. Nearly 2,800 yards, PK. 26 touchdowns and two picks. Wow. But, yeah, the numbers really jump off out at you and – the other side of wow is and people say, well, tell me who they played. And that's always been the issue this year for I don't know, Cougar fans get tired of it. But, again, every everyone I've talked to, they keep asking me, well, you know, compare the first schedule to the second one. And I, and I said, you know, it's hard. It's I mean, yeah, on paper, the first schedule was this, was really impressive. And give credit to Tom Homo and the Cougars just to get a schedule to play, right? Um, and you're dealt the cards you're playing. And they're they're undefeated, and Zach's had one hell of a year, and you can't take that away. But again, the doubters will say, "Look, who you're playing?" And I get that. I understand the argument, sure. And I think that's the problem too, don't you, with uh, the voters? Is that well, tell me, you know, okay, Navy, not what they thought they were. Uh, you had to postpone Army, Troy, Louisiana Tech. Okay, a Houston win on the road in the Boise State game up there on the blue turf. You know, it was it was one sided. So. Uh, the arguments, PK, will will go on and on, right, with BYU, uh, whether or not they stay independent, should they stay independent, is it a good thing, Is there a, uh, does, a, does, a, does a Big 12 add another team or two, uh, do you go back to the Mountain West? Man, it's just a constant conversation every year. So my thought on the schedule, Craig Bolajek joining us, is yeah, it's not strong. I mean, I understand that, but... I think you have to look at the individual players. I think that the record, to a decent degree, is a product of the schedule. But you look at the individual players, are they good enough? Are they quality football players? And you just take Zach Wilson at the quarterback spot. 
Well, I'm watching a team in the NFL that is now 11-0, and zero, and their quarterback played at Miami of Ohio. Mm-hmm. And a few years back, he got hurt, uh, but he played quarterback on a Super Bowl-winning team, and I'm looking at Carson Wentz, and I believe he played in the big sky. Right. Kurt Warner, I don't even know where he played. He, did, he, did he play anywhere? I mean, you know, Northern Iowa. Hall of Fame yeah. quarterback. Right. And he was a, an Iowa barnstormer, don't forget, in the Arena Football League. Uh, back in my early days when ESPN was trying to promote ESPN2 into a powerhouse, that's where Arena Football was, and those are some of the games I did. And I did a, I did a barnstormer game against the uh, Orlando Predators. I'll never forget it. And it's like, <laughs> this, guy's, this guy's good. He had a rifle arm. He was able to, you know, they played it on a hockey arena with artificial turf. But then again, he got his chance, right? And you know, he proved to be a Hall of Famer. It's an unbelievable story. So you called a, an arena football game with Kurt Warner as a quarterback? Yes, I did. Yes. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, now that he's he's enshrined in Canton, nobody was saying, well, look at that schedule he played in college. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Or that one he had in the arena league, you know? Um that was quite a league, actually. Uh, they had the Tampa Bay Storm and the Orlando Predators, the Detroit Drive. Remember, Danny White had the Arizona Rattlers. That oh, was yeah, a, yeah, yeah, that, yeah. That was a big-time team down there. Um, and then they had the Iowa Barnstormers with Kurt Warner. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I, I kind of jumped around one summer with uh, Kevin Harlan, uh, who's at CBS, and he and I were doing arena football as we started um, in the business. And it was oh, uh, it was funny. fun. High scoring, man. If you had an arm and a wide receiver, you would, uh, yeah, you would, uh, you could light it up. Well, I don't know if you caught Urban Meyer. That was his point on Saturday in the Fox pregame show, and he, he talked about press and play. Yeah. And he said he's been press and play for over thirty years, and he said he spent uh, several hours one day last week looking at Cincinnati, looking at BYU, and here's a guy who wouldn't even mention BYU's name uh, when he was here for that. Uh, overnight stand practically yeah. that he that he did a, a two-season stand instead of a one-night stand and wasn't well, that the famous da- the team down south yeah right, you know and he built south. that and he got that from others when he was back east and all that sort of midwest so the point is he said he's looked at the tape and i don't know about you but when he urban meyer speaks football i listen naughty too he and John Gruden are two guys I love to hear the breakdowns. You know, when Gruden was was doing, uh, what was it, the Sunday night game? Uh, no, was it the Monday night game, I guess. I lost track. But, you know, yeah, those guys are great breakdown film guys like Belichick uh, with New England. I mean, that's what they live for. And uh, I'm with you, PK. I, I, I know you watched him. I was watching Zach play, and I like the way he rolls out, good feet. He reads defenses at a very high level for a college quarterback. And I like the way, look, he's not Patrick Mahomes at this moment, but he still has that slingshot arm where he's able to run and still release the ball and with strength. And, you know, that's those are all incredible attributes for a young quarterback, right, trying to find his way into the NFL. And I think if what Irvin Meyer said, I'm with you, uh, when you get those type of endorsements, uh, I guarantee the NFL scouts are, are watching closely, too. How much pressure do you think is on the Cougars right now? Because you know, there's a lot of talk. They haven't they've done a little bit of talk, but since the poll came out last week, a lot of folks have come to their defense. Yeah. And at the same time, if they stumble, those folks and all the other doubters are just going to jump all over them. 
Yeah, I, I think it's one of those opportunities, PK, where you run the table. I mean, the Coastal Carolina game and then the San Diego State game, uh, you can finish off, you know, perfect 11-0, and and then you can let the folks there, uh, you can sit and say, look, look what we did. Look at the numbers. I mean, Zach's going to be a 3,000-plus yard guy. Um, they're going to rush. Uh, what are they averaging? About 180 a game. Um, so they, they've put together – and what what's impressive is that Kalani was under right so much um, doubt, stress, turmoil of his own over the last couple of seasons of turning this around. And then even though you do, you still, <laughs> no matter what you do, right, you still are, you know, the, the criticism or the wonderment of who are you, how good are you, still this schedule isn't enough to prove that is my point, you know, for, for Kalani. Um because of the struggles they'd had in the past. And, you know, he was kind of a lame duck coach at this time last year. And, you know, again, he's done what he's been able to do with the schedule, and you have to, you know, praise him for, for keeping the team together uh, through a tur- you know through a really rough season of COVID-19. And I can say that for a lot of college coaches around, the, around uh, you know, college football. But, you know, look, they, if they go 11-0 and – uh, you just have to let that record stand for, you know, stand, let it stand on its own. There's going to be critics. There's going to be critics. There's going to be doubters. But I think you're right about the individual play and just some of the numbers they've put up and the the, the weapons that Zach has that he's gone to multiple times and the offensive line behind you. Uh, I think you'll, you know, you can sit there and say, hey, look, good football team. And I would love to see them put themselves uh, on the front porch of an incredible New Year's Eve type situation and play a top 10 opponent and let's settle the argument. But I don't know if that's going to happen or not. Yeah, we'd love to see it. Love to see them get as many as as good or better tests that they could possibly get going forward. Craig Bolajak joining us, switching to the Jazz. Uh, they've been doing these Zoom interviews and a lot of the stuff you would anticipate yeah. Uh, one thing that caught my ear, I guess, would be the potential of Bogdanovich not being ready. Now, he didn't rule it out, but it's a possibility as far as him not being ready for the season. What are you hearing on that? Well, yeah, I heard the same thing, and, you know, there's hope. And I think, again, what Quinn said was, or Dennis Lindsay said, too, working with Mike Elliott, um, he's the guru of, you know, how the Jazz attack rehab and whether or not the green light is given. And a lot of times, as Dennis said to us on that Zoom call, PK, was that you have to listen to the player as well, but also read through the lines if he's pushing it, if he's truly ready to go, and uh, you go from there. So there's still time. You know, you're looking at the, you know, the preseason may not be in his uh, immediate future, and that's okay. I mean, there's players trying to prove themselves on this roster and you get some extra playing time. But what you lose in just a really short season of three preseason games is him working his way back, you know, into the starting lineup. And even Donovan had said to us on one of the many Zoom calls we've all been on is that, you know, they they were able to do good things in the bubble and produce a lot of offense without Bogdanovich. And, you know, they're going to have to kind of remember he's there and, that's the thing. I mean, Donovan was a dominant offensive force right in the bubble, uh, and Bogey wasn't there. I don't know what would have happened had he been against Denver 
do you secure the win and move on to round two? I'm guessing, yeah, but Jamal Murray played lights out, and so did Jokic at times. So uh, I think, again, it's about getting him back. You know, uh, maybe they, they don't want to pressure, you know, the preseason games on him. But, you know, he's too valuable, too, um, not to get on the floor. And the Jazz need him, PK. You know that. Guy, the guy was a 40, what, 3, 42% three-point shooter last year and 20 plus uh, 20 points a night uh he's a big part of what they want to do big part how much you think we see like we saw first go around of gobert and favors together yeah that's going to be intriguing you know those conversations came up again in the interviews and i'm going to start with Derek because i i thought you know he handled that combo pretty good but he you know pk he knows before he signed what his role is going to be. Uh, and I think that's important because I think in, in the years in the past, it was still kind of, well, am I on a position at the four? Am I a five? And, you know, he does things differently than what Gobert does. I mean, he's got really good hands, as you know, and the Joe Ingles combo with the pocket pass, that that's a beautiful thing to watch on the pick and roll, and he's a good offensive rebounder, second-chance point guy. But I don't know the minutes. He mentioned a, n- a number, which I, I don't know if that there, there's that many minutes on a given night, 24. So does he finish games? Uh, do they go small ball sometimes? I mean, they know they've got him there in case Rudy gets into foul trouble and they can, you know, interchange. But I would think, don't you, that coming back, he gets it. He's 29. He wanted to be back. And the you know, the fans are elated, but also his teammates are excited to have him back. And uh, I, I think he really has to know what his role is going to be. And if he doesn't, you know, then we're right, kind of right back to where we were a couple of years ago. But I, I think he gets Rudy's dominance as a defender, but also he also understands what his role is too and what he can bring. Well, if he's a backup just go with the idea of a backup center, then I don't know what specifically. Assume Bogdanovich is healthy. At some point, obviously, he'll get healthy. So I could see, I don't know the entirety of the second unit, but the idea of Clarkson, Engels, and Favors as a second unit, um, I'm in favor of that. Yeah. No, PK, if you if you break it down that way with a sprinkle of uh, George Niang, and if you do get some minutes or contributions, uh, let's just say let's just pick Mieoni out of the out of the thin air, okay? Who they want to see more of and really evaluate him more. You know, he's six six, really long. Um, I think he's got three point ability of what I've seen in practice, but again, you got to see more minutes to judge. I mean, I think one reason why that you know Dante Exum was expendable and it was a, a, an incredible trade to get Jordan Clarkson in return is that they really liked the, the fight, the physicality of, of Mieoni at 6'6", and that was basically the same position and the same size of athlete that Dante, Dante is. So I think uh, a couple of younger guys uh, may get a shot to fill a few minutes as well on that bench. But, you know, what we know of the Jazz is still pretty much intact uh, with except for the addition of uh, the return of, of Derek Favors, right? So money's been spent. Uh, Rudy is still not signed, and he's, there's a few weeks to go before that that deadline hits. So 
the one thing too, I mean, I get it, uh, working with an agent PK, but at the same time, you have new ownership. Yeah, it's a lot of money to lay on the table, and I'm sure there's still a lot of negotiations going on of how you're going to get this done. But you don't want it to be hanging over your head for 72 games, I would think, uh, to say, well, what if, and what are you going to do in the off season? So um, I'm sure they're working hard trying to get it done. But I always say this every year, and it always stands true. I'm excited to get it going and see what the Jazz do. The West is a buzzsaw every night. And, you know, health is going to be the big issue, too, man. I uh, don't know how the COVID, uh, you know, uh, virus is going to impact the NBA. Uh, but I think you have to almost build in the fact there's going to be some games missed until a vaccine is given out. And that still will take time. So this season is going to be, uh, i tell you, a challenge, uh, I think, all the way around. What are the broadcast plans for the exhibition games? Well, as far as I know, uh, we'll be there, uh, which I'm glad. And I know that we'll still broadcast uh, at the moment from the arena, uh, looking across uh, the vastness of the Vivint Arena into a, a jumbotron. Very much the same type of broadcast that we uh, we did those 17 games during the bubble. And you know, PK, it's it's tough. It's a challenge. I think the fans, you know, understand. I, I miss it. Just the energy. I know they're going to try to blend in what, 1,500 fans, so it's kind of like dipping your toe in the water to see how safe and how how impactful it can be. But just to have some bodies there and some actual fans, you know, booing, cheering, whatever whatever it may be, uh, will be, a, a you know, for me, a joy. I just hope, again, everybody's safe. They've got a plan uh, to, you know, have separation and distancing, uh, but it's at least a start. <clears throat> and I think about... From what I've heard, of the 30 teams, I believe the number is up to 11 that are going to try to, to introduce, reintroduce fans into arenas. Um, and we'll see how that goes. But, you know, there's a, that's a starting point, right? That's a starting point. So the preseason games will be on TV? Yes, 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 yes. Uh, they haven't officially announced uh, the times, but, uh, yeah, the, the broadcasts are planned that way have not seen any regular season games or what the networks are planning but uh, the preseason schedule uh, gives us three games uh, to prepare for the regular season and um, you know officially they haven't announced it but um, that's the plan moving forward is that we uh, you know we uh, get ourselves prepared for the regular season with uh, with those three preseason games so um I'm excited to, to get going again. It's a challenge to set up there in basically a near-empty arena off a big screen. But the what I haven't done in a long time is call, quote, a home game uh, with actually players in front of me, right? Yeah. So the road games, you know, you still call it off the Jumbotron, but at home you still have – actually, <laughs> we're actually going to look at players on the floor, which is which is a, a the next step in this process, right? Well, Craig Bullajack – Thanks for joining the PK show. Damn, that has yeah. a good ring to it. I think it's uh, probably pulling in some big ratings today. <laughs> you can do anything you want, dude. I mean, that's you know, you can sing out the commercial. You can, uh, you know, you can do anything you want, man. Jake will that's lead dangerous. you. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Thanks for coming on. All right, pal. Good talking with you. Take care.